Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sasha Kelly and welcome to The Dive, where we ask, who said business news needs to be all business? It was almost a blink and you'll miss it news item. I opened my phone on Saturday to a are you watching the news text from my friend Stuart. So I went straight to my computer, opened my web browser and was faced with headlines saying there was an attempted coup in Russia. And then almost as quickly as I was reading about it, it seemed to be resolved. What happened? The Wagner Group, led by outspoken Evgeny Prigozhin, staged a rebellion that seized two Russian cities. There's a nervous stalemate holding across Russia tonight with an influential military leader in exile after what looked like a coup attempt on the Kremlin was called off at the last minute. And then the next day, it was over. Reaching a deal with the Kremlin, Prigozhin ordered his soldiers to stand down and he fled to Belarus, where he's going to retire. The whole saga left me with a whole bunch of questions. But here at The Dive, we're a business podcast, so that's the aspect that we're going to focus on today. It's Wednesday, the 28th of June, and today I want to know, what is the business of private mercenary groups like the Wagner Group? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague here at Equity Meets. It's Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome to The Dive. Sasha, good to be here. We are treading into some uh, choppy geopolitical waters here. Uh, and we were a little bit nervous about doing this story, but we're going to, there's a fascinating business uh, story behind the Wagner Group and private military contractors. So we're going to try and stick to that and um, not tread into too much of the politics and the news of it all. Where other people so often tread. Yeah, I've got to say, if you peel back the curtain on how the dive gets put together, a production meeting on Monday was pretty entertaining. We talked about everything from Taylor Swift to Bluey to private mercenary groups. So that's what's kind of ended up in the rundown today. So Alec, let's get into it. Can you introduce me to the Wagner Group? Let's talk about the Wagner Group. Secretive Russian mercenary group. shadowy private security company that has ties to the Kremlin. Wagner Group has a gruesome reputation. So before we get into the Wagner Group specifically, if we take a step back, they are essentially a private army and they're the modern incarnation of... One of the oldest careers there is, being a soldier for hire. From 400 BC, when Greek warriors fresh off the Peloponnesian War were contracted to fight in Persia, to English soldiers after the Hundred Years' War auctioning off their services to the highest bidder in 14th century Italy, this is the modern neoliberal hyper-capitalist version of that. Recruit soldiers to your private corporation make billions of dollars in the process uh, and get paid to fight all over the world. Look, Alec, I'm going to tell you, Peloponnesian War was not on my bingo card <laughs> when I started this week. I, I'm pretty shocked that you've managed to get that into a conversation. 
Great history lesson, great context there. Let's talk about this group specifically. Yeah, so the Wagner Group founded in 2014, headquartered in St. Petersburg, Russia. And really to understand the Wagner Group, you have to understand their leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Now, he is known as Putin's chef. The reason? Uh, He owned restaurants and catering companies that provided services to the Kremlin. Prigozhin also was a children's book author. 20 years ago, he published a children's book and then at age 53, started a private army and eventually led a coup in Russia. So, Sasha, who says you can't have a late career change? Yeah, although that's a really weird line to draw between <laughs> children's book author and, yeah, private mercenary leader. But, um, you know, to each their own. Now, some people may be familiar with Prigozhin's earlier work. He owns three companies that have been accused of interference in the 2016 and 2018 US elections. Uh, the name Internet Research Agency might ring a bell for a few US politics watchers. He long denied his role uh, in Russian interference in US elections until November 2022 when he came out, admitted his role in the interference operations and said interference would continue. Now, denying his role in things is a bit of a trend for Prigozhin. For years, he has also denied being the founder of the Wagner Group, but uh, he acknowledged himself as the founder recently after video leaked of him recruiting Russian prisoners, promising them freedom if they served six months with the Wagner Group in Ukraine. Now, as a result of these recruiting efforts, the Wagner Group has grown rapidly. In April last year, it was estimated to be 8,000 people strong. In December last year, it was estimated to be 50,000 people strong. And Alec, this is where we're going to put a pin in the political discussion. As of recording, the Wagner Group is in a state of flux after the attempted coup on the weekend. And Yevgeny Prigozhin, as we've said, has retired to Belarus. And there's heaps of podcasts that are doing amazing work covering the unfolding political ramifications of this development. Personally, I'd recommend the news agents. Alec, who are you turning to for updates? Uh, The Squiz. Yeah, got to give a shout out to our friends at The Squiz. They actually did a really good 101 episode the other day that I listened to too. But what we want to dive into at The Dive, as the name suggests, is the wider industry that the Wagner Group operates within. Because Alec, it did surprise me, but it kind of shouldn't have once we started looking at it. It's not just Russia that has private armies. The US and the UK do as well. Private security is expected to grow to an $81 billion industry by 2023, and that's just in the United States. There exists a higher-risk, higher-reward sector that attracts people with a unique and expensive skill set only acquired through military experience. So this story really starts with 9-11 in the US. Gearing up to fight a war in Afghanistan and uh, in Iraq, they needed to scale up the military fast. And there was huge money coming out of the US government to do that. But you've got to keep in mind that recruiting and training a soldier is a long-term investment. It's not something where you can just flick a switch and double the size of your army. But there was plenty of ex-soldiers that had been trained that were no longer in the military. And there, some enterprising and entrepreneurial ex-soldiers saw the opportunity. 
And so they spun up companies, private military contractors that hired ex-soldiers and then offered their services to the US government. Now, those services were pretty wide. It wasn't all the Wagner group uh, fighting on the front lines of these wars. It was everything from uh, securing high value assets, be they diplomats or embassies or oil pipelines or the like, all the way through to training soldiers or escorting convoys. There was a wide range of security services uh, that these private military contractors offered. At the height of the Iraq war, there were so many contractors in the country that the ratio was one US contractor to every one US military member. Now, the most notable of these contractors was Blackwater. That name may be familiar. Uh, They had quite a notable incident in Fallujah in 2004 uh, where they were escorting a convoy delivering food for the US military's caterer, ESS. Their convoy was attacked, four Blackwater contractors were killed and it kicked off a period of quite intense fighting in the city. But they aren't the only US contractor. A few other names, uh, FDG Corp, Dine Corp, MRPI. But it's not just the US. We see the same thing in the UK. The most notable is G4S. It's the world's largest security company measured by revenue. In 2012, it was the largest private employer in both Europe and Africa. And it commands not an army, but a security force three times the size of the British army. You know, again, they're not on the front lines like the Wagner Group, but they're doing security services. They manage a lot of prisons and they do a lot of, you know, escorts and security work and training and all of that stuff that you would expect people with security backgrounds to then employ their skills post-military life. And there's one even here in Australia as well, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. Started by a former SAS officer, uh, Australia has a private military contractor called Unity Resources Group. But they, like their peers from the US and the UK, really operate all over the world. They have more than a thousand employees that operate in Africa, Central and South America, Asia and Europe. It's quite a list, Alec. I, for one, had no idea that these organisations were so prevalent. And since the weekend, we've seen that there's quite a significant risk to weigh up when you're allowing a private army to flourish in the fact that they decided to stage a coup against the Russian government. So let's talk more about that after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to The Dive. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Alec Renahan, and we're talking about private armies. Now, Alec, over the weekend, we saw the risk of allowing them to flourish, that they decided to stage a coup against the Russian government. When talking about this topic in our Dive production meeting on Monday, you introduced this concept to me that's really stuck in my brain, and that's the idea of the monopoly on the use of force. 
I Googled it. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole about reading about the philosophical and political context of it. But the gist of it is that it's usually owned by the government or the state. Just why are countries willing to give up their ownership of this power? Yeah, now we should be clear that in the news, the Wagner Group obviously uh, did break Rush, the Russian state's monopoly on the use of force by fighting the Russian government. But yeah, for the going ma- against their employers, essentially. Yeah, but for the majority of these private military contractors, they are still required to, you know, act with the authority of the government. If the government doesn't tell them to do something, they can't do it. Well, to be more specific, if a government, because they contract their services to multiple governments around the world... But I guess to the question of why governments allow them to exist, why they allow these private armies to amass weapons and train soldiers to respond to a profit motive, I guess the simple answer is they can do what government armies cannot. Now, that sounds a little bit sinister, and in some examples it is. The Russian example, the Wagner Group were able to operate and, uh, I guess, pursue Russian interests in a way that Putin didn't want Russian soldiers to do. You know, he had them embedded with pro-regime forces in Syria. You might remember when the Russians first took over the Donbass and uh, parts of uh, Ukraine in 2014, there were reports of these little green men coming from Russia to, I guess, uh, fight for Russia against Ukrainian forces. Reporting since then has suggested that they were Wagner Group soldiers, you know, again, doing something that Putin didn't want Russian soldiers to do. So that's the sinister way of thinking about they can do what government armies cannot. But there's also just, I guess, some more practical ways. And, you know, Blackwater in Iraq, uh, when the US were fighting over there, they were employed by the State Department. And it having private military contractors there allowed the State Department to operate in that country without needing the Department of Defense's permission to move or, you know, if you're a diplomat over there, to to go to a meeting uh, without needing to go through layers of military bureaucracy. So, you know, there's there's a wide range of, I guess, reasons depending on the country they're from and what they're employed to do. That's why governments allow them to exist. I guess at a more base level why they exist is because governments needed the ability to scale up quickly and it was easier to just pay people to do that work for them than to do it themselves. There's a strong capitalist theme running through this conversation today, Alec, which leads me to the question, if I had all the money in the world, how much would it cost me to buy my own army? Yes, so... From data that we could find, one soldier from Academy, which is what Blackwater have rebranded into, costs the US government $1,200 a day. For -hmm. comparison, a soldier in the regular army to put them in the field costs the US government between $150 and $190 a day. So significantly more expensive. But they haven't had to wear the cost of training them. That's it. Well, and they can get them today rather than, you know, after basic training and this and that and all the rest. So that convenience, I guess, is important. I think there's also, if you were to pull out the actuarial tables and say, what is the cost of paying a contractor for the job that we want them to do compared to having a soldier and then having a lifetime of employment and benefits and and all of that? 
there's probably an actuary in the Department of Defence that makes an argument that it's cheaper over the long run. But what it isn't is cheaper today. And we can see that reflected in the massive budget that the US Department of Defence has for contractors. In 2001, the year of 9-11, they spent a scratch over $200 billion on contractors, already a lot of money. By 2019, that had risen to $370 billion. Now, this is contractors in the broadest sense, everything from the contractors providing food in the field, washing services, all the way through to these private military contractors. But you can just see that the explosion of spending over the past 20 years. Yeah, quick back of the envelope maths, $164 billion of an explosion. So, Alec, where are they used today? Everywhere. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> End of. <laughs> all through the world, private military contractors, private security services offer a range of different services. In Australia, we have G4S, the UK company, operating two prisons uh, for us. I think what we really want to think about here is like the, the more mercenary side of like these soldiers for hire. And there are some examples that really illustrate the good and the bad when it comes to that side of this industry. And yes, Sasha, there is some good. So in the mid-2000s, piracy became a real concern. And in some key shipping lanes coming out of the Middle East and also around the Horn of Africa, um, rates of piracy massively increased and ships were getting hijacked. I don't know if you remember Captain Phillips. Um, But it was becoming a real problem. There was a real failure from governments in those regions to police those waterways. And, I mean, they're massive international waterways. They're hard to police. Mm. Private military contractors stepped in there and provided a solution where governments couldn't. And there are literally floating armories uh, around these key waterways where big container ships will pick up private military contractors and have them essentially escort these ships through these waterways and it's massively reduced rates of piracy. So in that instance, we can see a positive use case. There's also some negative stories and the one that comes to mind to really illustrate this is Silvercorp. Now, Silvercorp was started by ex-soldiers to work on preventing school shootings. They, They essentially consulted to school districts and uh, helped them figure out, you know, what they could do to reduce the instances of school shootings. Somehow they ended up trying to overthrow a government in South America. I think that's what happens with a lot of these guys that have these startup personal security companies where it's like, hey, we need to bring money in somehow. We'll kind of take what we can get contract-wise. Oh, hey, our name got floated around in the right circle and now we're, you know, staging a coup in Venezuela. <laughs> in 2020... They were contracted by someone, I don't think it's ever been reported who, but they were contracted to try and overthrow the Maduro regime in Venezuela. They failed miserably, but it is an example of private security contractor with a profit motive acting against the interests of their government that they come from. Yeah, I remember that reporting at the time, but I hadn't made the connection that this was related to this story somehow. Look, Alec, when you pitched this story on Monday, I had, you know, a James Bond plot or, you know, Jason Bourne kind of running through my mind. But in researching it and digging into it, it's 
a clear business case. There was a vacuum. There's people with skills who recognized there was an appetite for paying for those skills and they've stepped into that space. Do you have any final thoughts? Because I know you've been in the weeds on this topic. Yeah, I think the scary thing about this story isn't so much what happened with the Wagner Group. I mean, look, that is scary. I think the risk of it happening in the West is obviously a lot lower. But the risk of things going wrong when you have these private military contractors operating around the world is higher. The scariest thing in a proxy war is the two countries driving the proxy war actually clash. And we saw that happen in Syria. US special forces were on the ground and then Russians uh, fighting for the Wagner group were embedded with pro Assad regime Syrian forces. And in 2018, we actually saw Russians and Americans fight. Now, luckily, after that, the tensions were de escalated. But that is the risk that, you know, if in future the US is fighting somewhere and all of a sudden uh, Russian private military contractors engage them, does that then escalate tensions between the US and Russia? So that's, I guess, the scary thought to leave you with, Sasha. But they say war is a business and these are the companies that seem to be profiting. That seems like a good place to leave it today. If any, I could probably ask you 50 follow-up questions and we'll be here till Friday. If you want to get in touch with us, all the details in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. And a really quick favour, if you've enjoyed the episode, if you enjoyed the dive, if you love us being part of your routine, give us a five-star review, hit follow and subscribe and send it to a mate. Small effort from you makes a huge difference to us. Alec, I'm really looking forward to Friday. I'm not going to give it away, but we've got a lighter topic on the horizon. I think it's going to be a really good one to see in the weekend. Yeah, I think you actually said it at the top of the show. We're going to be talking uh, the business of Bluey, which is very different to the business of war. And I think we all need a bit of a palate cleanser after the last 20 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk then. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.